Welcome to this, the ninth in a rambling series, Talking Terminal. Apologies that this podcast has been a bit delayed in being produced. I've been not particularly well post-infusion and have had a few other things on which I'll explain. Anyway, I really hope that this podcast makes up for the the delay which uh, you must have experienced. Apologies if you've been suffering from insomnia. Here's the cure. We're going to talk today about birthdays, pensions, post-infusion illnesses and death. Let's start with birthdays. It was my 65th a uh, couple of weeks ago, at the, um, on the 6th of June, actually, and I had to experience this particular birthday through lockdown. I was expecting, I'd been expecting for some years, a pension, state pension. But under the Conservative government's equality process of levelling down experiences of women, uh, pensions are delayed for both men and women. Men are slightly less than women from what I can see, and there's a whole disadvantaged group of women in their early 60s, and the government has done nothing to address that. Anyway, not a surprise for a Conservative government, but there you go. I'd hoped uh, my birthday's often quite nice weather uh, but on this occasion there was hail and downpours and cloudbursts perhaps a portend for things to come I don't know had a slightly Shakespearean feel to it all and therefore I didn't manage to see my two daughters in our back garden coming through a side gate where I'd looked forward to an enjoyable and socially distanced experience with them followed by my wife cleaning the chairs with bleach that didn't happen but we did do a great zoom in the morning opening cards and presents with both daughters son-in-laws and importantly grandchildren whose concentration span was so poor that we didn't actually see that much of them but it was a very enjoyable experience nevertheless in the evening my wife had planned a zoom supper something i am not enthusiastic about as i find zoom rather tiring to be quite honest the concentration the focus and my ability to dribble food down me all had me really worried but nevertheless we got on with it the the two daughters and their sensible blokes had planned meals that were easy uh, one a takeaway the other a lasagna from the oven i of course had decided something far more stupid in the form of a steak and mushrooms and all the accompaniments so while everybody else was eating and chatting I found myself needing to cook which I think on zoom is a slight embarrassment to be honest anyway it was a lovely meal the meal itself it struck me was a way of distracting from the focus of constant zoom and we were able to have a far more light and interesting conversation than I can sometimes achieve with groups of people rather than just a couple of people through zoom it was a lovely birthday and I really enjoyed it Interestingly, of course, if you have a terminal illness, the issue of birthdays becomes rather more worrying because you don't know whether you're going to get another one. Of course, I am determined to get another one simply on the basis that I have to collect that pension. I've spent quite a lot of the week or two gone by 
trying to improve my musical composition on a scale of one to ten, if one is truly dreadful and ten is stumbling, uh, I'm probably at two. But I've been trying to notch it up a bit and I've been doing a delightful course by a guy called Guy Mitchellmore son of Cliff Mitchellmore, I've concluded. Really interesting, light-hearted and, more importantly, sensible approach to musical composition. And I've, of course, got the software and hardware to be able to produce sounds from the compositions I write. They're not very good, and I played one during the last podcast. I thought I'd show you how little progress I've made, and here's another one. Well, I do hope you didn't suffer too much. Uh, I can promise you no animal was hurt during the making of that sound. Talking of animals being hurt, though, we have a cat, a delightful crossbreed, Abyssinian, and I got out, I think is the cross. And she's very friendly and gentle in the house. On the other hand, each morning that I come down into the kitchen after a broken night's sleep, I discover birds, either alive or dead, mice, mainly dead, and sometimes literally a feather carpet across the whole of the floor. She's a killer cat and brings in birds of any type. That includes a magpie, an adult magpie. She's brought in a pigeon. And she brings in plenty of sparrows as well. Sad in many ways, but just part of the way the animal kingdom operates and there's very little I can do about it. During the last couple of weeks, I went to a very close family friend's funeral, a a man in his 90s who had been ill and fading for some time and no, he did not die of uh, C-19. Being a Jewish funeral, it happened quite quickly and all occurred outdoors. And because there wasn't a quorum, a minion as it's known, there wasn't uh, as many prayers as there may normally be. And strangely and very unusually in my experience, the rabbi, at least in English, spoke reasonable sense, which is remarkable. It was a sombre and sad affair at one level, but uplifting at another. The sun did shine a little, and he and his wife had taken the trouble to secure graves by the car park in the cemetery so that heels were not broken and shoes were not made dirty. That was the original plan and was enacted beautifully. 
Lastly, I thought I'd talk briefly about the post-infusion experience. The one thing I have discovered about the treatments and the terminal illness is that everything is a bit of a lottery. And just when you think you've mastered an approach and what might occur, something else happens. So when I had the infusion itself... I knew that it would be quite painful towards the last third, but in fact, it ended up being very painful for about the last two thirds, mainly because the infusion took much longer to drip in than expected, and the pain was really quite significant, very uncomfortable. Post-infusion in this particular set of drugs, one experience you do have is an aversion to and a danger in experiencing anything cold. That includes cold water, beers from the fridge, dry white wine that's been chilled, etc. Not good in the winter and oddly enough, not good in the summer either because you want to have something to, to dampen your thirst. Anyway, normally it takes for me about seven to nine days for that experience to end and for the sense of constriction in the throat to come to a close, if you pardon the pun. On this occasion, it only took about three days and then I've been able to drink and eat things from the fridge, put my hand in the fridge without any enormous risk. I'm still cautious, have a glass of warm water about me, but there's no sense of constriction. So at that level, things have gone really well and I'm delighted by it. On the other hand, there is a constant sense of churning stomach as a result of the chemotherapy tablets and that's been much more pronounced than it has been previously. I also, during days, I don't know, something like seven to nine or five to nine, it's hard to know, within the 14-day treatment, experience a lot of fatigue, and that has been quite significant on this occasion. But one thing to delight my wife and infuriate me, of course, is I have begun to accept the fatigue rather than fight it, so I do retire to bed, pretend to read, and actually sleep quite a lot during those days. And when I say quite a lot, I mean for a couple of hours in the afternoon, which annoys me because it feels like wasted time. But on the other hand, I have come to really accept it. I think I'll end on a light note of just requesting something from you, the listener. If you're still awake, which I accept is unlikely, any feedback you can give me would be appreciated just on the basis that I suspect we all improve when we get constructive feedback. Andrew, note the word constructive and thanks for listening. <laughs>